Hello everyone, this is Chapter Tactics, I'm Petey Pob, Space Marines suck, and let's jump right into it. episode we're going to be talking about space marines that's right we're not going to glorify them them and their beautiful pauldrons and their gorgeous primarchs and their evil versions we're going to talk about how to beat them because they are taking over the meta once again in ninth edition so with me i brought three really really good 40k players three people who have in the past have combined to be maybe a single space marine player i'm just joking each of them have been plenty of space marine players i've got with me Scary from Scardcast. Hello, everyone out there in the world. Brandon, the Astromilitarium dude, Grant. Good to be back, Pablo. And then finally, Ben, the I don't wa ever Yurik. <laughs> Thanks, Pablo. All right, and then uh, Ben is a transplant over from In the Finest Hour for this episode. He is an orc player, if you didn't get that reference already. All right, so no introductions except maybe buy stuff from FrontlineGaming.org because Reese told me to tell you all. And let's just jump into it. Space Marines are a top of the meta. They are, they are top dogs. There's no denying that. And this is not going to be a podcast episode that talks about the perfect counter to beating Space Marines. Uh, frankly, there isn't one. They are tier one for a reason. Uh, there is counterplay to some of the things they do. Not every faction has all of the counterplay availabilities to them. So with this episode, I'm going to add a caveat. To beat Space Marines, you're going to need luck. You're going to need to work really hard, harder than the Space Marine players have to work. And you can't look at this episode and point to this episode and blame me when you lose to your buddy who plays Salamanders and decides he wants to bring Vulcan and a bunch of Terminators uh, Vulcan as Gilliman stand-in or whatever. I don't know. The point is is that you can't look at this episode and say, ah, Petey Pob didn't teach me everything I needed to know to beat Space Marines, and Space Marines are broken forever. Uh-uh. We know Space Marines are good. This episode is merely a tool that you can use in your arsenal to hopefully maybe one day beat Space Marines. Uh, also, not every army can beat Space Marines consistently. Um, some factions, like Gene Steeler Colt, uh, might not be able to beat Space Marines so well or consistently, but other factions are probably a lot better at it. Uh, so this is not a how-to beat Space Marines guide for every single faction also. Pablo, don't lose hope if you are a Gene Steeler cult player. The thing about Space Marines is if you're playing in your garage and your friend knows what you're taking, he can bring a Marine army that will counter it perfectly. But if it's a tournament and he's bringing a general list, not every Space Marine list is going to counter Gene Steeler cult. So... Don't put your Gene Steeler Cult on the shelf just yet, if that's what was keeping you from playing the game. That's a perfect transition, Brandon. It's almost like you've done this before. So, with that, let's go ahead and talk about some of the Space Marine lists that you will see in the meta currently. We're already starting to see a 
a top tier develop within the Space Marine list. As we saw last edition, uh, in 8th edition, Iron Hands, Imperial Fists were the cream of the crop. Raven Guard were really, really strong when Iron Hands got nerfed. And so we're still seeing that trend continue in 9th edition, although there has been a changing of the guard. Uh, you still have your Iron Hands and your Imperial Fists lists, but they aren't as popular. And now uh, we have Salamanders, Blood Angels, White Scars, I think those are the probably the three best Space Marine factions that you're going to encounter right now, and they kind of just revolve around two strategies. Uh, so, Scar or Ben, why don't you go over briefly what the Salamanders list is? Either one of you can take this. Alright, so the Salamanders list that you're seeing be competitive out there uh, centers around your um, all your units from the Indominus box. Um, so you get your Blade Guard Veterans, your Outriders, and your Eradicators. Uh, and then a couple groups of aggressors, and then some fill-in here and there. Some people are taking um, the, uh, what's the uh, Strength 6, Snake 2, 2 damage Scorpius launchers, um, and some no line of sight firing. Others are taking some other fill-in spots, but that's kind of their core. Um, and they're pretty much built uh, to have an overwhelming amount of punch and firepower while also having some maneuverability to kind of like in this edition, moving up and taking objectives and then just sitting there and having being unmovable because those guys have a bunch of stratagems that make them very hard to kill and then kill you way better than you can kill them. Um, they kind of thrive on that. Uh, the, their aggressors are very hard to fight. They're hard to sh shoot, move off of things, and they pack way more of a punch on top of everything else. Um, eradicators typically come out of strategic reserves uh, if they can't hide them, um, and that's a big change in this edition is the ability to do that. Um, so those guys also pack a heck of a punch on top of the Salamander Super Doctrine, uh, which gives them plus one to wound on all their flamers and meltas when they're in Tactical Doctrine, not to mention the AP that adds on to their flamers. So they work off a couple of stratagems and um, a few other things to kind of have a very cohesive and very uh, synergistic army that it packs a ridiculous amount of punch on turn two and turn three. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, one other thing um, that, that you kind of glazed over was their characters are so strong. Uh, uh, they're beyond a smash captain now. Oh, yeah. Uh, you Especially know, you when got... you look at that bike captain. That yeah, bike that captain, exactly. captain is gross. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, Vulcan now. Um, so Vulcan last edition um, and even in the beginning of 8th edition, um, I always thought he was one of those more strong characters because his buff to Meltas and Flamers is so good. And he got uh, points decrease, and he can still go in a drop pod. Um, he's still really cheap. He's not terrible in combat. He's not the best. He's not the worst either. Um, but more importantly, his buff th that he gives to Meltas and Flamers around him with the ability to outflank on top of that is insane. And then you've still got the Chaplain, the Librarian, the new uh, the new Chaplain dude from the Indominus box who people are starting to bring. Um, you, you have a wealth of options. You could even dip yep. into other chapters. You could go, if you want Mephiston, you could do that. And Librarian Dreadnoughts, you could do that too. So Space Marine characters overall are also really, really powerful. Sorry, did you have more to that add to bite that? captain. Not we to the Salamander stuff him. directly. You know, it's just like, but yes, in terms of characters, you know, I think the only thing that is, and there's also like the, Ju the, just the Judicar, for example. It's like a new character that Space Marines use from the Domitus box. That is crazy good, um, and that any Space Marine army can put in, not just Salamanders. But we'll we'll sort of be breaking all those down. The thing about Salamanders is they can, they're, you know, Space Marines are durable. Salamanders are like 
annoyingly durable, or they can do some crazy stuff like make you kill a unit that you don't want to have to shoot, you know, things like that with their like sacrifice strat and things. So they can kind of play some shenanigans, and Space Marines with shenanigans are shenanigans. Yeah, a fun gotcha they have is they have that Warlord trait that allows them to elect units that give OPSEC, and OPSEC is, in the new edition, um, is pretty important in a lot of cases. Yeah, absolutely. We actually saw that uh, this uh, last weekend at Flying Monkey Con between the two Salamanders players who were going back and forth. I believe that that world trait is Defenders of Humanity, or it gives Defenders of Humanity, one or the other. Uh, but yeah, that's really, really powerful. Uh, Brandon, what is what are some trends that you've been seeing out of Salamanders games that you've, you've seen online or, or seen in streams or you've played against? So my favorite units are the Strategic Reserves. So those can be any one of several really efficient space brain units, including um, plasma inceptors, grav devastators, and eradicators. All three of those units will absolutely delete a unit off of the board that they shoot at, and some of them have strats that they can use um, to buff their damage even further, um, and can even come in in a drop pod in the case of the devastators, or just from the sky naturally in the case of the inceptors. Inceptors in particular are really nasty against units of six or more because their guns go from D3 to 3 flat, so they shoot six plasma shots each at 18 inches. Um, so yeah, I think that um, one of the big advantages that Space Marines have is that they can start with some decent board presence, but once you start pushing through that initial uh, starting presence on the board and trying to take objectives, they just show up right next to you and delete whatever your most important units are if you let them. So that is definitely something you have to be concerned about. And especially uh, the turn one drop pod with the devastators inside is extremely powerful and something that you'll need to plan for. And I think that one of the reasons we should be discussing terrain is that particular unit combination, because if there's not enough terrain in your deployment zone and you have maybe one line of sight blocking piece of terrain, um, Whatever your most important unit is that the drop pod can get to, it's gone. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned that, actually. Uh, terrain terrain is very important, uh, and I, I think we're going to, unfortunately, see more terrain woes as the edition progresses on, not only because tournaments are limited, uh, but also as a community, we still haven't decided on what the best-looking 9th edition terrain it look you know is, what that table looks like. So we don't have an, anything official from GW. Um, we do have... Uh, a supplement coming soon-ish um, where GW is going to charge you 30 bucks to make up fun rules about terrain and that, that maybe that'll help. I don't know. Um, in my experience in the past, that hasn't always helped. Uh, so that's one that's one way uh, I think you can definitely kind of stem the Salamander's Tide. Um, but I really like seeing people play the board control game and more specifically controlling where the Space Marines want to put their key units. So let me give you an example. If you're going up against Space Marines, you need to you need to be able to kill T4, two wound, three up armor save bodies. You need to be able to efficiently do it. And a lot of armies can do that, whether it's through mortal wounds, through kind of obscure heavy support choices, maybe obscure forge roll choices. Um, you just really just need strength five or better and two damage and uh, an AP value and a lot of shots. Um, there's a variety of units in multiple factions that can do that. 
And so once you have that, you can kind of control where the Space Marine player wants to put their aggressors or their eradicators, their intercessors, whatever you can efficiently kill. What I saw the Salamanders players do at Flying Monkey Con and what I've seen people do in streams is they really play around the reserve manipulation. Uh, and that's what makes Salamanders in particular so powerful. They're able to put their eradicators uh, in reserve and then outflank them so that they take better angles and they get closer to your army. Same thing with the aggressors. So I think right off the bat, if I were to look at an army that matches up well into Salamanders, it would be an army that tells your opponent, hey, look, if you start those aggressors on the board, I'm killing them. So I'm going to force you off the board. And then from there, that's what my game plan is going to be. It's going to be containing those aggressors, only giving you limited options to place them with board control. Uh, so that's where I would start. Uh, Scary, Brandon, Ben, do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you add anything else to that? As a as a Drukari player, I always love when people like deep strike or reserve a lot of their stuff. Uh, it gives me, as a very fast mobile army, a lot of control as to where they can and cannot enter the table. And so, it, it, in that case, like if you don't have the speed and maneuverability to sort of like screen the board, it can be quite daunting. And a lot of people like just when you go to play suffer from the that's good enough syndrome where they'll like do a movement or they'll measure out or try the zone at the table and go man that's good enough right and then they'll kind of move on to their shooting phase uh, but taking that extra time to make sure that you don't leave space for a little unit of uh you know uh, eliminators to come in your your side or backfield you know that's that's part of being able to play against that style of gameplay. Yeah, and then one thing I want to note with salamanders and not not just salamanders, but the other trait, other uh, armies is be aware of if they have the ability to like negate damages, such as I believe the salamanders have a uh, reduced damage uh, stratagem. So um, with them with their three wound models, that can be pretty hard to get through if you're using like a two damage weapon profile, um, and you know that. Their, their specific stat line can be very frustrating to try and get through um, because of that, because they're going to only allow you typically to try only remove one unit or put one unit out there, and they can just use defensive buffs to make it require the majority of your firepower to even maybe even not accomplish what you're trying to do. Uh, so they're pretty difficult. And as Ascari as said, um, as an orc player, I'm, I have a very model-rich army, uh, whether I'm playing hordes or truck boys or a million buggies. I'm, I have a, a lot of ability to kind of guide my opponent where I want them to shoot in some ways because there's not you don't have these large linchpin models. Everything is kind of cheap and disposable. So I'm able to kind of zone out the board and take a bunch of the board, especially if I'm able to get first turn um, and guide them to where I want them to go. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of cheap and efficient models, uh, MSU, going M MSU and spamming efficient models that can kill those two wound uh, space marine models. So think like, you don't need to wipe out an entire unit, but like uh, Sisters of Battle Seraphim, uh, dropping down with melted guns, uh, shooting when they drop down, and then shooting in their shooting phase. That's That can help. That can help. Uh, you really just need MSU answers to deal with space those specific space marine bodies, the Primaris equivalent or the PEC. Um, so that's a good way to deal with space marines. And then the MSU also has the benefit of being able to move your models all around the board and kind of assume board control and this isn't easy this isn't like uh oh you know I, I beat space marines i've got msu just spamming seraphim like that, that's not the case at all 
Um, this is just something I've seen if, as a player who would be playing well, against Salamanders. This, well, that's kind of where I would go. Space Marines in general, like they, whatever they will shoot at, they normally have very efficient, very deadly shooting. <laughs> so when it comes to MSU, you know, if whether you have a big unit or a small unit, Space Marines normally don't care. They'll just kill it, whether it's big or small. So if you have like multiple small units, you know, a lot of the times they're putting just that little bit overkill into every unit, which means that their shooting then becomes just a little bit less efficient. Um, so I think there's a there's something to be said about that. So a space room player still has to focus fire so that you don't have a bunch of like one model units running around. But whether you have big units or small units, a space room will kill it. So you as an opponent of space marines would be better off taking smaller units so that everyone you lose isn't as big of a blow as a big unit that you've sort of invested all these points in. Brandon, what do you have to add to all this? You you kind of play the army that I think counters, or one of the armies that counters space marines the best uh, in Astra Militarum. I think they definitely can, and Sisters of Battle as well can counter marines. So both of those armies are definitely still competitive in a marine meta. Um, but they have different tools. So in the case of the Guard Army, most of the Space Marine stuff that I'm really afraid of has about a 30-inch threat at most. Um, I don't really see too many Repulsor Executioners anymore. With good reason, they tend to explode when I shoot them. Um, so a lot of it is these Primaris Marines all roided up on CP abilities and coming from reserves or um, being very aggressive and infiltrating um, or being able to advance and charge, and so on and so on. So all of that has a limited threat range. So as a guard player, your tools are, uh, I also shoot really well at 30 inches, and I have guardsmen that can move, 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 and are obsec. So if I have enough guardsmen to screen you out for three turns, and enough terrain to hide from a drop pod going second, um, the important units, and reserve the rest, then I think I'm in pretty good shape because um, you'll come in, you'll be able to shoot guardsmen. Um, if you get close to me, I can have a melee threat like Bulgrins, and Bulgrins can go in the middle and actually absorb shooting. And then my shooting remains safe as long as it's screened effectively from those reserves. Um, so that can work. Or in the case of Sisters, your other tool is I have melee units called Repentia that can uh, reliably assault 24 inches away. Um, so I'm going to push the Space Marine player back and keep those Rhinos with Repentia in critical positions so that if the Space Marine player commits an important unit, like, say, um, a bunch of aggressors, um, if I can get those Repentia into them and ignore Overwatch, they're in serious trouble. Um, so those are your kind of tools to keep the Space Marine player at arm's length, or at least make it so that if they go all out into you, they're going to regret it because they'll kill an unimportant unit of yours based on how you deployed. In return, you have enough firepower to delete an important unit from their army. That's the goal, anyway. I don't have much experience using Sisters of Battle, but I did face Sisters of Battle using my Black Templar Space Marines, and I will tell you, four Penitent Engines <laughs> cut through 20 Intercessors like hot knife through butter with a double attack they just destroyed a bunch of intercessors just saying yeah and there's there's actually a lot of really you know a lot of units that you don't really realize that do that uh, same thing with uh tyranid warriors 
Um, same thing happened to me when I played Reese. He just threw nine Tyranid Warriors into my face with the Swarm Lord, and I was like, oh, my Intercessors got this. We'll just, the Aggressors will kill them. It'll be great. Those Warriors went right through the Intercessors, right through the Intercessors behind them, and then when I shot them with my Aggressors, because they were in terrain, I didn't kill as many as I wanted to, because they've got a lot of wounds. They're not, you know, they're they're not, they're no slouches. Um, so, I, that, that's a very good point, uh, Brandon, and um, looking into your codex and looking, trying to find fast, uh, efficient marine killing close combat units is key. Not only because it, it usually, hopefully, those those uh, units are more um, efficiently point costed. So they, but they also put a lot of pressure on your opponent and take board control as well, right? So if you've got rhinos or pinches in them, uh, or you're threatening Gene Sealer Colt or Tyranid warrior double movement um or or whatever right even like i know aberrants are really bad but like even like aberrants coming in and charging and getting up in your face or or whatever unit um a big bob mob of orc boys that's going to put pressure on your opponent to have to respond to that and on top of that those units also do other things for you they can tie up units uh they can take objectives they can steal objectives they get extra movement with charge ranges uh it, it's it's they're useful units to have now the thing yeah, I will a, add is oh, go ahead. Um, go ahead, Ben. Um, really quick, um, Space Marines tend to have tools so that they can make a unit very difficult to deal with in melee or very difficult to deal with in shooting. So if you try and build a list where all your counters are one or the other, you're probably going to run into a list where you can't solve the problem that you're dealt, being dealt with. So for example, the Judicar being able to make you fight last. You're not going to be able to charge the unit he's next to and remove it if that unit swings first and kills you. Um, so something to keep in mind there, um, or some of the salamander strats, um, or iron hand strats in the shooting phase, you need to be aware, um, stacking all these CP abilities that maybe you can't kill that unit in one phase. So you need a combination of units. Yeah. And then as Brandon mentioned, the, you know, you want to play as much to space marine weakness as you can. Um, their, their typical weaknesses up until lately have been, uh, range and inability to deal with a, a bunch of high toughness stuff. Um, the, which is why if you looked at uh, 40k stats at the end of 8th, um, you know, Chaos Knights and such had a pretty particular um, high advantage versus, well, I shouldn't say too high, but they had a pretty good advantage versus uh, Space Marine players. Um, and then out of the Orky Codex, uh, since everybody was re- uh, re- referencing their playbook, uh, a lot of the popular units right now, particularly the, Me- the Megatrack Scrapjet, um, are all very great specifically against Primaris bodies. Um, so there, and the ability to, um, take this infantry, uh, I didn't, I kind of want to avoid saying aggressors here. And as Brandon said, they're you know, typically good at shooting or typically good at melee. Uh, just remember that, like, if you, if you have the opportunity to, you know, attack first, remove their melee unit or shoot first, remove their melee unit, and then tag their shooting unit, um, you can kind of drive that advantage there. Uh, cause just remember infantry don't typically get to shoot in combat without special CP abilities. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one other thing on the uh, high toughness spam point, which which is brilliant. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, generally, if you also spam high toughness vehicles that are also very mobile, that's another thing that Marines are weak to. So one thing I've kind of noticed specifically with Salamanders is that they don't have the bodies because they tend to go MSU. They don't have the bodies to cover their characters properly. Right, so one thing, uh, a player over here in Frontline Gaming, he ran, um, I think it was like eight wave serpents, nine, it was a lot of wave serpents, 
and what he did was he just ran around the board. It was a, I think it was a, it was against uh, Reese's Tyranids, so it wasn't against Space Marines. It was kind of the same kind of like idea was that he was wave surfing, manipulating, shooting units off of characters, and then sniping the characters with either shooting or uh, you know units inside the wave serpents or mortal wounding them with the serpent shield in, in desperate situations. Uh, it was it was obviously not everyone gets access to wave serpent spam but there are other armies that can do that too uh, harlequins can do that really well uh orcs can do that with killicans you can even do that a little bit with repentia uh you can do that with knights although um with knights it's more like you want to run like three knight gallants and then something else uh admic can do a really really interesting version of that with the Cerberus Raiders where they're not quite like in close combat killing you but they're still getting up really close threatening characters uh clearing chaff and more importantly uh clearing units that the big robots can definitely kill they also do the same thing with the Scorpius Dune Rider um tra- not the transport the the Scorpius guns as well or the Scorpius vehicles as well so multiple armies also have access to m- fast multiple medium toughness units that can potentially give Space Marines problems. Uh, is there anything else we want to add to Salamanders in particular? Just, um, you know, the thing about Marines is don't just, like, get disheartened when you... You're going to lose a lot of your army playing against Marines, especially, like, things like Salamanders. You have to have a plan to play the game out throughout the course of the game. Don't just, like, get disheartened if you lose a lot of your models. Give yourself some breathing room, play in depth, and you know just focus on the missions. Yeah, this this game isn't about removing each other's models and who removes more. Um, most of the time, space marines are going to remove more, but you can definitely uh, win on those primaries and win on those secondaries where they can't. Um, there's uh, the benefit to space marines with their cost and the popular units that are efficient and elite and tough is. There's actually not that many of them, um, and if you're able to clear out part of the board, you can eliminate some of the secondaries if they made uh, board control secondary choices and such. Yeah, I think yeah absolutely. The I... topic we didn't maybe cover enough is whoever shoots first tends to win. On paper, a marine unit might be more efficient than an equivalent unit in a different codex, but whoever shoots first is going to win that engagement. So you want to make it so that they're forced to reveal themselves first somehow or commit first without actually losing too much of your own stuff and then have a chance to respond is one of the ways you can deal with that or just alpha strike them but i would hope terrain (laughs) doesn't permit that so so let's talk about alpha striking let's talk about these two other space marine lists um so the other version of space marine lists that you're going to see is the white scars blood angels in your face, I'm going to remove all your best units. Anything you don't reserve is dead uh, with a billion attacks. And then I've got all these efficient MSU bodies that just put out a stupid amount of uh, damage in close combat, uh, like scout bikers, outrider bikes, um, death company, sanguinary guard, even your basic average close combat scout. Um, and then they just hammer hammer it home. With, with super efficient MSU close combat units. Uh, White Scars in particular are very, very terrifying because they can put a lot of pressure on you, take the board quickly, 
and they still have access to the tools that make Space Marine good. Thing like the things like the Thunderfire Cannon, which you're not going to see as much. Uh, the Land Speeder Tempest. They still have access to Grav Cannon Devastators. They still have access to Centurions. They can still use Assault Centurions, which even though they did get more expensive. Uh, on top of that, they still have all the basic like bikes and characters and all that good stuff as well. So how how do you go about dealing with an alpha strikey in your face army that takes the board quickly like white scars and blood angels um when you're already trying to take the board you're already building an army to take the board uh and deal with salamanders because they are very different styles of play one thing i'd like to point out here is how the new strategic reserves work um and if someone is completely in your deployment and you can prevent them from doing as much damage as possible however that may be through move blocking or just efficient model placement or using transports, for example. Um, and I'm pretty sure we'll cover all that. But my big highlight is strategic reserves give a very good option for countercharging and counterpunching assault units that want to be in your deployment. Um, since you are able to deploy them, you know, within the nine inches and just immediately uh, bring the pain back to your opponent. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. And actually, I think that's a good strategic reserve manipulation and putting good units that that can really take advantage of the strategic reserve rule is critical to beating both versions of space marines uh it's not just not just about beating white scars um you also need it for salamanders too uh and that is definitely an art that a lot of people are going to have to learn um and maybe kind of like go look back on their first turn and be like, should I have strategic reserve this unit instead of this unit or should I have done no units or as many units as I could uh, that's uh, the first point of failure where you can really lose the game. Um, and that's unfortunate, but that, that is the way the game has gone right now. Uh, Scar and Brandon, how do you, what do you guys think about White Scar's Blood Angels? I think something to add to that is um, them being in your face like that is going to prevent you from using strategic reserves as effectively because they're going to zone out most of the board for the first few turns. Um, especially because if they outpunch you, you don't want to go anywhere near them. So they're gaining board control early as a result, unless you just march your army into the middle and they win. Um, that seems like a bad plan. Um, but that is a totally valid strategy you can use in general, is you can bring in your strategic reserves at arm's length and focus on stuff like eradicators, essentially, that can deal damage at 24 inches and use other units as screens that are pushing ahead, like bikes or other fast units so that are cheap, preferably, so that it's like, okay, I know you have strategic reserves. I'm screening you out with these units that are useless. You're just going to delete them for free. It doesn't matter. The important units I have are going to survive a turn, and you're going to still need to deal with them on the turn after as they're threatening the board. When it comes to white scars, the only strategies I know are with guard and sisters that are effective, and it's basically making an onion. Um, so you just create an army that has layers and layers and layers of stuff, and that stuff dies as efficiently as possible in the outer layers and protects the stuff that deals damage as efficiently in the inner layers. And you can bring in some stuff from strategic reserves, but not much because most of their important units are going to be screened. So just enough to force them to screen is great, but if you put half your army in reserves, they can cover the board for most of the game and prevent your units from being where they need to be, which is outside of your deployment zone. Now, I don't know much uh, about like the experience you've had with Blood Angels, but I find a lot of good Blood Angel players won't just like rush at you blindly. 
No, the majority will. Yeah, the majority will. Like, so, it, you know, that might be, but a good Blood Angel player will normally play to the objectives, kind of pin you in your zone with, like, a suicide death company squad or some incursors or, you know, just kind of, like, be annoying. And then as soon as their assault doctrine hits on turn three and the sanguinary guard are just ready to rock and roll, they will come in and they will, like, hit you so hard that then they'll just, like, mop you up. Yeah, we have a. Uh, I have Thomas in my meta that I have to face off against him a couple times a year, and he. That's basically how he plays. He'll have the one suicide death company squad, and then everything else kind of plays the objective, plays in mid, big heavy sanguinary guard squads, just you know, hanging out because you're you're not going to go toward them, and their their heroic intervene uh, stratagem is very strong, so you can't you know positioning yourself around them uh, becomes very difficult. Um, so. I just wanted to reference what uh, what Brandon said there is um, there's that peeling the onion effect uh, is probably the most effective that I've found against them. Um, you know, in my case, for using my main of my orc of my orcs, we're looking at uh, battle wagons and trucks. Um, and just remember, you know, they can't kill those units inside unless they can get like a full wrap or something. And with new cohesion rules and such, it's it's very difficult to do these days. And so, you can do an emergency disembark now. You couldn't do that before. Yeah, you have you have that you have that extra one, and then. Um, there's a there's a gotcha in orcs that I want to reference that if if someone comes in and touches a vehicle or tags it or doesn't finish it off, um, at the end of the fight phase you can uh, actually have every unit inside that uh, transport swing back. Um, so if you got some mega knobs hanging out in a battle wagon, um, they get to you know kill that unit for free essentially. Yeah, absolutely. You guys brought up a really good point in that with an onion, white scars and blood angels we'll have a hard time kind of getting through or getting at units in transports or in the back of the deployment zone, either because they don't really have like the best shooting that, that you possibly can. They do have the graph cannon devastators, but it actually isn't that hard to zone them out. Uh, especially if you have tough vehicles that bikes and um, basically strength four AP bajillion attacks can, or AP two bajillion attacks can, go through if you if they can't officially kill that bubble wrap whatever it is whether it's like wave serpents or uh rhinos or trucks or whatever if they can't do that they're not going to get to the stuff behind that and they're gonna have a hard time just getting through or getting into the stuff inside of those transfers to begin with and so white scars really don't have a, a a lot of piercing power uh to get at units so you are a little safer with some of those units in the early game and as uh as um uh, Scary said, "With the Sanguinary Guard, you, you absolutely, you absolutely will start to get raffle stomped on turn three and turn four, and you will start to lose units like crazy. But it's only a five-turn game, so if you spend your first three turns castling, keeping your efficient units, your uh, lethal units alive, do as much damage to them as possible, and then in the final two turns disperse and play the objective games, that's something that a White Scars and Blood Angels player might have a hard time dealing with, especially if your armies also has very mobile elements, things like deep striking Ripper Swarms or deep striking Nurgling, oh, the demons can't deep strike anymore, excuse me, uh, deep striking Ripper Swarms or deep striking troop choices or outplanking troop choices, etc, etc. Yeah, and one thing, and then Brandon kind of mentioned this, but we'll, we'll I'll address it directly, um, is that these assault armies, even if they can't exactly, uh, you know, alpha strike you and eliminate you off the board, they're very good at pinning you into your deployment, and they're very good at for 
holding their three turns. And even if their army begins to just die, like if you, you know, bring back, bring the pain back, if they scored much higher on the primary than you for three turns, those other two turns are, other two turns are very unlikely to matter. Um, and they'll just outscore you and it'll be a closer game, but they still win. So that's something to be very aware of as to what they're trying to do um, and their game plan. And you want to play against that game plan, of course. Yeah, absolutely. What are what are some other uh, tips or, or I guess um, what are some trends that you see White Scars and Blood Angels players uh, use in their games uh, that maybe we haven't talked about yet? If anyone has any before we move on. I think it's that pressure, that element of pressure. And it's not necessarily that they're going to like run at you and kill you. It's about threat uh, ranges, so like zones of control. You know, armies like, for example, White Scars have the ability to, like, get a unit, like, double move it and move it all the way around to right, you know, and then basically get into a position that it's going to be an issue next turn unless you absolutely deal with it. And when it comes to Space Marines, I think, in general, that's one of the things that makes Space Marines such a threat and such a high level at the competitive meta is that all the Space Marine factions play differently and all the Space Marine builds are completely different. So it's not like one particular build that you can sort of plan to face. And we talked about this in 8th edition, but that has carried over nicely into 9th edition as well, where you have to understand how that specific Space Marine army is going to play because it's not going to be the same and it's going to be built differently. And if you don't understand how it works and you're playing against the Blood Angel player like you play against your Raven Guard friend or your White Scar friend, it's not the same and you're going to get punished for it. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash Spotify. Yeah, I've seen people completely castle up against a Blood Angel player. And then the Blood Angel player just goes, okay, I take th- three or four objectives and put all my stuff in obscuring terrain. Um, uh, your turn. And they don't kill a goddamn thing and they don't need to in the set of missions. Um, you, you, if you're just sitting in your corner waiting for the McMahon, you're not going to win. <laughs> yep. So they're, they're, they kind of force action. And that's a big thing about this edition in general is it forces actions. It forces you to do things. Um, and those armies take big advan- a great advantage of it because if they force you to engage them in that way, they're better at engaging you in that, in that uh, essentially in that melee combat, close quarters, zone control style of play than most armies can do in general. Yeah. Now, luckily, the the way the game is set up now, if you if you go first against Space Marines, you know you're going first, so you can deploy aggressively, and then on your turn in your movement phase, you can extend your castle further out, so it's taking up more board space. Um, so you kind of like expand your onion, so to speak. And if you go second, you do know what they're starting on the board. You know how they're setting up, and so you are able to play a more cagier game. As long as your army allows it. Uh, the one thing I think in this edition that no one no one should be doing is making an immobile army. I think fortress armies and castle armies that don't have elements 
that can immediately come on the board from an uh, an edge and do work, if they don't have those elements, they're at a disadvantage from all the other armies, not just Space Marines. So you need to be able to impact every part of the board and uh, get every single objective, every little point you can while you're playing just a game. This is just general ninth edition advice, not just necessarily uh, being able to beat Space Marines. Um, and the reason why Space Marines are also very good is because they're able to do that strategy. They're able to have this kind of flexible strategy where they go into games and do different things. They they can win going first or win going second, but they're also able to do all of that efficiently. Uh, they don't they're not necessarily bad at one or the other. And that's both styles: salamanders and white scars and blood angels. That's also why they're they're really really good. Um, so let's go ahead and move on to uh, objective picking and secondary objective picking. Now. In general, I've I've seen a lot of people try to take headhunter against against space marines uh, and do really really bad. But that was one thing I consistently saw throughout the entire Flying Monkey Con was people picking headhunter into space marines. Um, now, is that just because space marine armies you have a hard time kill getting any kill secondary points against them, or or do you think maybe that's just the absolute best thing you can choose? Um, I'll say this: I've been burned by headhunter in eighth edition even. And Headhunter is a secondary you pick as a win more. Because generally, if you're killing a lot of someone's characters, their army is falling to pieces in front of you. And if that's happening, generally, you've, you've won the primary. So why it really doesn't matter that you're getting all these secondary points anymore. You've already won on the primary. So with that in mind, you're trying to pick secondaries that you can achieve in a really close game. So both you and your opponent are really close on the primary. And you're going to score more on the secondaries than they are in this close game so that you pull off a win. And a headhunter is not the right choice unless you expect them to be very aggressive with their characters and not screen them for some reason. Like maybe you're facing 12 characters in a space marine army. Go ahead. But if it's five characters and a lot of screening units, maybe not. Yeah, and and the thing is, is most or everyone has access to strategic reserves and points are actually really hard to come by um so a lot of times for the space marine player it might even be easier just to keep their character in reserve until the last minute than have him come on from you know onto a part of the board where he's just not going to do anything but he's not going to give up points and that that, that's personally why i always hated headhunter too was um I, i just hate the idea of like chasing some little character around while as he jumps into like transports and he plays like like transport checkers um anyways although i i do admit i looked at the secondaries the kill secondaries um today in preparation for this episode and they're not a lot of them do a lot for space marines like obviously space marines they don't they don't run vehicles really uh the they don't run enough models to really take advantage of the um the i forgot the the horde one where you kill kill wounds and yeah Kill yeah models yeah the uh, 150 models you need for that or vehicles yeah 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 um so it, it is hard it is hard picking a kill secondary for space marines yeah depending on the the mission sometimes you get that auto pick for the secondary based on whatever mission you roll um but I, I agree with Brandon and I agree with you the it's an absolute um, headhunter is an absolute trap in mo- most of the time um, and especially in this edition in general, there's just less characters 
Um, the majority of those characters aren't as aggressive. They're not going to be 100% in your face. Um, there are some armies that this there's an exception to, but with Space Marines, um, Headhunters definitely feels like a trap in almost every case. It's it's pretty difficult to pick secondaries against them because you're like, okay, I have my two board-based secondaries I can pick. Um, and then, like, with Orcs, I'm doing, you know, engage in all fronts and, uh, and deploy spanners. But then that third one is quite difficult to pick honestly yeah i'm in agreement with you ben deploy scramblers and engage on fronts are i think my favorite secondaries right now yeah the scramblers is like a free 10 points and then the engage on all fronts you know you just have to make sure in this edition especially that you have mobility i think one of the most important things to remember at secondaries is that players will look at what they can try and max out or whatever and then they won't take into account how it's going to affect the way that the game is going to be played so say i can max it but then they'll go then they won't think of the ramifications of that whereas they look at their opponents like uh like characters and if you're playing an army that wants to throw their characters at me sometimes i'll pick headhunter just to make sure that they don't throw the characters at me then again i haven't played that secondary at all i like to take Uh secondaries where my opponent like I, I have agency over the secondary, and my opponent doesn't really have an influence on it, and I think that's really important. But I won't pick a secondary that is going to go against how I want to play the game, right? So if I'm going to be playing the game conservatively, I definitely don't want to have to, you know, run out and spread all over the table, right? If I want to spread all over the table, why am I taking conservative? Uh, secondaries why am i putting flags up in an, in a mission that has four objectives when i'm playing against custodies where everything is obsec and can literally take my objectives away from me in like two seconds right mm-hmm. like there's things like that that you have to consider when picking those secondaries and on the opponent end i'm always very pleased when my opponent picks secondaries that i have agency over because boy will i work hard to uh to deny them those points it's oh, yeah. it almost it it feels excellent, especially when you do it in a way that they weren't expecting. A thing I will yeah, say that I've seen is um, Space Marine players with expensive characters and no expensive single models other than characters picking the we better have these models left on the table objective. I think that's a really cool idea. And if your army can pull that off, great. Uh, the other thing about engage on all fronts and scramblers, if you have really low power level units that can uh, achieve those, that's fantastic. Like, uh, for Guard, special weapon squads are one power level now. Nice. And they are 30 points plus 5-point weapons. So, for 45 points, it costs one-ninth of a command point to outflank that unit and start picking up extra points for secondaries. And I think that they don't even need to do damage. They're going to shoot once and die, but that's fine. They picked up an extra secondary three points. In the uh, in the orc decks, there's a lot of choices for. And I call them action monkeys. Hello, everyone. I'm sorry about that to cut Ben off, but uh, unfortunately, my computer crashed and we lost the recording for that. No big deal. We're back online. So, Ben, tell me more about these action monkeys that you put in your list. So, um, my specific lists have a lot of action monkeys and a lot of flexibility as to what those action monkeys actually are. Um, and when I say action monkey, I'm referring to just small, cheap, typically MSU units that are very easily strategically reserved or do it natively. Um, with uh, with my army, I'm looking at commandos, uh, Gretchen, um, Defcoptas. They're all these are all really small, cheap units. Um, so not all of them infantry. So you know, I 
they aren't specifically action monkeys, but they, they do claim a secondary uh, and they do a job and then th- they typically threaten to take an objective too um, and require firepower to be answered. Um, otherwise, they will take an objective because most lists I'm running are Death Skulls and they're OPSEC. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I love that Brandon mentioned earlier um, he, he assigned a point value to uh, a unit. Uh, I believe these special weapons teams where it was the, they're one-ninth of a CP and there were three victory points. As a really good way to think about action monkeys in general is how many points can this unit get me uh, throughout the entire game. Um, now, I I want to talk about a specific strategy that I saw come into fruition uh, over the past couple of weeks, and that's the idea of building your list to the missions and playing an army that only plays the mission and doesn't interact with your opponent or tries to interact with your opponent as little as possible. Now, I personally think that I, I personally actually like the idea of these armies kind of existing because I, I like the idea of having alternative ways to win the game and and playing a game by kind of ignoring some of the core parts of the game. That's just kind of the the player I am. I'll mention this, Pablo. If you're playing into a hard counter for your list, that might be the only way to win. It, exactly. Uh, so these lists are kind of designed to lose or win a game like 96 points to 93 points which by the way was a real score that happened by the way someone lost uh when they scored 93 points their opponent just scored 96 points uh so this that kind of uh list now is i don't know if it's going to be more prevalent i don't know if it's going to be gatekeeper style list or if it's something that people are actually going to win with or if it's just a flash in the pan either way designing your army with elements that require you to just simply not interact with your opponent, especially when your opponent is something like space Marines, where you're just, you're going to lose by interacting with them because their, their units and their rules are more efficient than your units and rules um, is, is not a bad option. So adding action monkeys, adding units that uh, are very niche, uh, but also very mobile. Things like, like howling banshees are a good example. Scourges from dark Eldar where, where sometimes they do fulfill a niche for you and they do perform their role. They'll come down, they'll kill a unit that they're supposed to, but in some matchups they're just flat out useless. Uh, those units are actually pretty good to have in, in ninth edition because they're not going to cost you anything when they die. And in niche scenarios, they're going to help you and they're going to earn more than their points values, but they're always guaranteed to be mobile and to get you something like three points on, on uh, all fronts. Yeah, in a in the list design phase, even since early eighth, um, Skari and I were talking about uh, the idea of having stuff where your opponent can't interact with you, where your opponent doesn't have agency over what you do. I've always built my lists around doing that, and then uh, in index eighth, I very much had a I'm going to score twelve secondaries, uh, twelve points in secondaries that you can't stop, and, and that was in the ITC format. Um, and that was what my list based off of. I'm like, I'm going to win that. I'm going to win one primary. I'm not going to win on kill. And I'm going to score more points than you. Um, and I think that's a very similar aspect, especially now that the kill element is mostly removed outside of secondaries. Yeah, not only is the kill removed from secondaries, you can build an army that's designed to just like swarm the table or board control. However, I feel like the armies that do this best do have a variety of units or things that can still do damage and i think you have to have like things that can do damage even if it's limited damage to make sure you can like kill something that just needs to be killed 
Uh, however, taking like objectives and having obsec units and just like sit and they're hard to kill or hard to slodge and just swarm the table to win the primaries uh, is a very powerful and very viable like list build option, especially when playing as an army that you just can't compete in the damage dealing sort of like aspect. Like Space Marines, they do things, they kill things, you can't really compete in that. So stop trying to like fight them in the ring fair. Like hmm. you need to like you're not just gonna sit there and go, Yes, let's box here. No, you're gonna you know, you're gonna pull every trick in the book. Yeah, and efficient yeah, expectation I believe that we want to have specifically against space marines is that they're going to have enough firepower um, and enough ability to completely remove you from an objective, um, which is the idea of taking multiple objectives um, with multiple units at the same time, because reliably they'll remove you from one, but what about those other three? Um, So that's kind of what I try to focus on when I'm trying to just out edge space marines on points, because most of the time I'm definitely not going to kill that entire army. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to the to Scary's point, I really love that you mentioned that Scary. Uh, one thing that I've seen in the forty k community in general is how resistant it is to cheese and to trying to uh, use all their tools at their disposal to win. Um, but if you're, uh, you know, especially if you're playing a faction that is underpowered right now and uh, GW isn't giving your faction a lot of love, if you have a unit that just is just really good at killing aggressors for whatever reason spam it if you can run as many of it as you can but look go to forge world and find the equivalent of the forge world unit and then run that unit as many times as you can too uh look through every single possible stratagem that you can you know do everything short of cheating and breaking the rules to give yourself the most competitive edge you can um obviously you shouldn't cheat but uh, this community in general feels very resistant to spam um, and you, you shouldn't be especially uh, because this is a competitive 40k podcast if you're listening to this you should usually have aspirations to want to play in a tournament or or tournament can competitive 40k is something that you recognize as a thing that that either entertains you or something you want to uh, do in the future um, that's generally the people who listen to this podcast that's what it's about so I want to uh, elaborate real quick on, on, I just want to elaborate. So it's not just, you know, like use every tool at your disposal. What I'm trying to like ultimately say is stop trying to beat space Marines at their game. So stop trying to meet space Marines on the level. Like don't play the space Marine game, play your game and force the space Marines off balance. It's like a very sort of like esoteric thing to say, but you know, if you've been playing 40k long enough, you know, you'll sort of understand the nuance of what I mean there. It's like you have to, if if you, if you know, I think Brandon, you've talked about this, or probably you've talked about this about putting someone in your pocket, right? Where like if you can make them play your game, you win, and it's very very important, especially against Space Marines, that you do not play the game that they want you to play because they'll just systematically wipe your army off the table yes that and uh don't feel bad about spam (laughs) it's also known as one is good more is better because if the space marine player destroys that one key model in your army that actually deals with them um and you didn't have anything else 
you're in trouble. If you have three of them and they destroy one, okay, it's still a game. So don't be afraid to take more of the same thing as long as it actually fits on the board and still serves a role. Yeah, and even though we have not a lot of data as to what the meta is going to be eventually um, with only a few tournaments and such, with the data we have right now, um, if you bring models and things that can beat Space Marines, everything else is around that same type of build. The Space Marines kind of fit the niche of 9th edition of they're elite, they're tough, they're durable, they're fast. Um, they kind of fit all the checkboxes of what makes a unit good in 9th edition, uh, which is part of what makes them so good because they don't really have um, any true failings with with their toolbox and at least they have a full toolbox that they can kind of pick from and be like okay we're we're set up for this edition and we're good to go um if you bring stuff that kills that efficiently and handles that efficiently expect to see a bunch of other similar variations that just aren't space marines doing close to the same thing absolutely all right i think we've i think we've talked about this enough um if if you are listening to this episode and you think we missed something if there's something about space marines or a space marine list we didn't cover and you want to hear about it go into that comment section on youtube on frontlinegaming.org and put a comment in there telling us that we're big dummies and that dark angels are actually the secret op list who knows all uh we're not the we're not the masters of 40k we do not know all of the rules what we say is not gospel um so you're free to disagree with us just do it politely all right. So if you're interested in the podcast, interested in supporting the podcast, you like what we do, you can go to patreon.com slash chapter tactics and help us keep the lights on. Patrons get cool perks like being able to ask questions that we answer at the end of every every episode. And luckily this week, we actually have a lot of really good patron questions. There's a lot of very disgruntled patrons who constantly kept keep getting beaten down by space marines and so they all asked a lot of really good questions about how to beat space marines so i figured i'd end the episode a little early now to get to their questions because there's a lot of good stuff and i know that there's people listening who also have the space who also have these questions as well uh so the first one is going to come from um a patron what are character dependent armies like chaos supposed to do versus mass primary sniper spam and what is a good way to counter space marine players who throw down scouts with 12 inch no reserve bubbles to shut down most of the board's deep strikes and strategic reserves how do you beat how do you beat i don't think primary sniper spam is a thing um as is going to be as much of a thing as it is so no. i'd say just use those character dependent armies and um, i would say transports are still helpful if your character can ride in transports go for it transports yep. reserve but the bigger thing here is uh space marines are really good at zoning at zoning you off parts of the board uh they have some of the best units for it they obviously if you get near them they kill you and they have a really good mobility so how do you deal with the ability to or how do you deal with that as a, a chaos player as a player who likes to come in and manipulate reserves and kind of get the most out of the reserve rule well i know chaos has the warp time spell it's one of the most powerful spells in the game so if they're zoning you out they are still going to be in assault range of something um and particularly if they don't have melee threats that are strong enough to support their infiltrators that's a that that is a gift that that space marine player has handed to you because wraps are still a thing 
and you can still cost them two command points that they'd rather use on transhuman physiology to get out of there. But either way, you can get through those units um, either with you just shoot them, or if they're out of line of sight, I'm just going to launch this melee unit and trade. And if that's your screen and you don't have anything else that can protect your army, then great. Uh, I'll bring in my reserves now and actually kill something useful. Yeah, you don't... I know some people kind of get stuck in their idea of needing to reserve their army or reserve those pieces because that's how they do it the majority of the time. But in that situation, you just don't need to reserve them. And keep in mind that scouts are free charges. It's free movement. It's free charges. You can even use it to get on the objective. Um, with how the command phase works now uh, and you're scoring uh, you know, on the at the beginning of a turn... Um, knocking your opponent off those objectives and such that they got aggressive with the scouts is a very effective strategy. Absolutely. Okay, uh, Patron Dan wants to know, uh, considering tactical objectives in previous editions contained a small number of faction-specific objectives, do you think G-Dubs will include faction-specific secondaries for match play when the 9th edition codex has come out? Um, and then, as a TL, would you be in favor of allowing them? Um, I think I... Uh, they did do it, and like, I think that they said they're going to do it. And I think that, it's, as for TOs, I think they might be a thing. But I could see, like, places like, say, the WTC maybe waiting until all codexes have theirs before they allow any. But we'll see. I I, I hope that they're all really good. <laughs> uh, you know, I, we've obviously we've got Space Marines and Necrons coming out. I hope the Space Marine one is, like, the super generic one and not like kill two of your enemy's units for three points. You know, something something like super easy to achieve. Um we'll see. Um I think they will too, I'm with Skari. Uh but hopefully they're they're good and they're balanced. Um Kelsey wants to know with the Space Marines getting more upgrades in October, possibly going from tier one to tier zero, uh, the dreaded S tier, how, how, uh, S plus tier, how much of my army would be de should be dedicated to beating Space Marines? All of it? 100%. I would, I would expect uh, to go to a tournament, a five round tournament, I would expect to play three to four Space Marine armies. Yeah, remember, and that's like average. Remember the Castellan meta? At one point it was half the meta. It's, yeah, it's going to be it, worse. It's going to be worse because everyone has a space marine army. Everyone. Yeah. Do Do you remember? Do you remember the LVO twenty twenty meta? We're fifty percent anyway. Yeah. The, there's going to be a lot of space marine players. There's going to be a lot of blue scars and blue manders, blue blood angels. That's, they're going to be all over the place. I think though. At the same time, on the flip side, right. Now, instead of having to plan for like normal Marines and Primaris Marines, you can plan for all of them being like Primaris Marines. And it's a lot easier to plan that way. There you go. I have uh, solved all your issues, the internet. <laughs> all right. Uh, Patron Steven actually asked a really good question. Should I feel bad playing Space Marines, especially if I'm in a new area and just meeting people? No. Absolutely not. 40k not is all. about playing the army you want to play. You should only feel bad about playing Space Marines if you hate their lore and you hate their models and you hate painting them. Otherwise, Space Marines were... Oh, sorry. Otherwise, if that's the army you love, great. Play it. Space Marines were terrible for quite a bit of time. And now they've been good for less than a year. <laughs> and they've yeah. had... And they've had such an impact... Oh, sorry. A little... Actually, 
because uh, we've, we've lost about six months. So about a year. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, do not ever, you never have to, like, apologize for playing the army that you play. Uh, just enjoy it, hobby it, and, uh, and play hard, because, hey, at some point, your time in the sun will go down, and then it'll be the orc player's turn, or the Eldar player's turn, or whatever, because we all know how GW loves Tau. You know, it could be Tau. I, I would say tread carefully. Enjoy it, but tread carefully. Don't, don't, there's no reason to, like, add insult to injury type of deal. Have fun, but go ahead and play good armies. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm agree with all of you, and I'm glad Ben, Ben pretty much took the words right out of my mouth, was, was be mindful of who you're around when you talk about Space Marines, or, you know, when you play as Space Marines, um, they are very, very strong, and in all gaming communities that have ever been around, the strongest strategies are almost always the most universally hated it's just across the board no matter what game you play it's just people always want to win in their own unique ways they want to be special you know interesting people with their own unique strategies um and space marines are no different and on top of that we are dealing with a a huge amount of backlash around space marines from the community as a whole not 40k but the general nerd community which which are are trying to come in and play this game right so there's always like there's already like people joking about uh 40k edition being like 30k where it's just space marines um so just just be mindful of all that uh if you can i would say start a second army with space marines if you are a space marine player um not only is it fun but uh you also get immersed in the game a little more. Um, you play something other than Space Marines, um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a very difficult time. But you definitely shouldn't feel bad playing them, especially if you're new to the game. Play Space Marines, have fun, and you can still build Space Marine lists that aren't super overpowered and have a good time, and have a good time with your buddies that don't play Space Marines. So that's something that's that's also very viable. All right. Um, Jake wants to know with their with Space Marines' proposed points increase, does the threat of mass expendable hordes gain a higher level of viability? So he's talking about with um, a potential Space Marine increase in points across the board, um, which I don't I don't think is going to happen. It might happen in Chapter Approved. I hope it happens in Chapter Approved. But if Space Marines were to go up in points, would that increase the viability of expendable hordes lists? Um. I actually think it might have the opposite effect simply because the focus on AP 1 and 2 damage, you know, AP 1 and 2 damage to weapons would go down. So you might see a return of just strength 4 AP dash weapons being viable. And right now in the Primaris Marines, they're not. Yeah, yeah there's a there's a time the in the there's a. There's a reckoning coming um, in a balance of when we get these two wound models of how what weapons we're going to bring on average. Um, and hordes will shine if people start bringing low-volume, high-damage weapons. Um, but that's kind of a to-be-seen situation. Uh, patron Nathan, Nathan wants to know, what armies are going to have the easiest and hardest time in a marine meta? Uh, and then a second question, should we increase terrain? Actually, we'll just answer the first question. Uh, what armies are going to have the easiest and hardest time in, in this meta currently? So we've, we've talked about this before on this podcast where we talk about power rankings and specifically, you know, what factions should be fixed and increased. Um, but just like two. 
easiest and hardest time. One of each. I'll go first. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Scary. I think one of the. To be fair, after what I've seen this weekend, I'd say one of the easiest would be the Keeper Secrets on Smash Demons. They yeah. murder Space Marines. <laughs> Like just flip them over their shoulders and kill them. As long as there's good terrain on the table, but uh, I especially if they go first, they I have seen them do some crazy stuff and table space marine armies. So just saying, that's my vote goes in that corner for the monster mesh chaos demon list. Yeah, I'd go I agree. with um, Adeptus Custodes. Honestly, um, they out elite the elite space marines, and um, a lot of their weapons are the perfect stat line for eliminating Primaris marines. So, I think they'll be okay. They have the tools needed where um, they can give Space Marines a run for their money. Especially that damn Tanglefoot grenade. Mm-hmm. Alright. Ben, how are Orcs going to fare? Uh, it depends on the list, because Orcs have a couple of options. But, um, I, th- I think they, I think with what I've been playing with, they'll fare well. I still give Space Marines the edge. But, I, I think it's a somewhat even-ish, or more even matchup than uh, than what some people give it. Right on. Uh, yeah, I think I think we're going to have a really... I think Dean's Circles are going to have a really hard time already. Um, and I think, other than that, I think most factions have at least one list that can go kind of at least 40-60 with Space Marines, um, which obviously isn't ideal for some people, but it's the best they got. Uh, and then I think I really like Admech and Sisters of Battle right now. I think they're really, really strong. Um all right. Uh, next question: Are there any particular grouping of secondaries that makes taking on Marines easier? We kind of did already talk about that, but um, as quick summary, is there any particular grouping of secondaries that you would pretty much always auto taking at Space Marines, or is it just the kind of like uh, the the in, um, in summary, uh, lean but, towards the secondaries where you're interacting with the table, not your opponent's army. So no matter what's happening. If even if you have a handful of models left, you have a chance of achieving it. All right, uh, patron Hugh has a question for Ben in particular. Uh, what tools do you guys feel orcs need to utilize against marines to succeed? Uh, a couple of my favorite tools, and as Brandon keeps referencing, flat damage to weapons stuff like that, um, is your uh, your mech guns. Your smasher gun is highly efficient at killing marines. It outranges them. It has enormous AP. Um, it has high damage. Um, you're, it picks up space ring models like nothing, uh, putting those guys in strategic reserves. So they aren't get, so they don't get touched and then bringing them in, um, very, very effective, uh, just picking up space Marines. So if you, if you need to have a unit you want to pick up, uh, smash guns are kind of the way to do it. Um, the kill saw knobs actually got a point decrease from eighth to ninth. Uh, those guys, once again, same situation, neg 4 AP, flat 2 damage, um, and in most lists I'm running, they're obsec, so they're they're absolutely dangerous, they come out of a transport a lot of the time, and they completely murder marines. Uh, Death Dreads are actually highly effective at murdering marines, um, and with, with them being able to shoot in combat with uh, custom mega blasters, those are efficient at killing marines, and the Gorkonauts flat profile of 18 attacks, neg 2, flat 2. Uh, it's also ridiculous at killing marines. So that's a lot of what I'm running. The Megatrite Scrapjet is an anti-marine tool. It has eight attacks with a custom job, essentially, uh, and it swings a strength 10 power claw. Um, and then on top of that, you're a custom booster blaster, which is the Dragster. Um, oh, no, that's, that's, sorry, Shock Jump Dragster. Uh, custom Boost blaster is a different vehicle. Um, is also really good at killing marines. So that's literally like 
all one list I'm running, and it's just all anti-marine crap. Do you orc players just make up names with for your? Do you like? Oh, I've got the 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 big dragsta jumpa and the shock confetti shooter. And it it just anyways. I'm sorry. It's part of their plan I, to kill marines with confusion. The uh, the um and the the fifth high toughness uh durable fast moving thing that marines can struggle with sometimes is the uh the battle wagon battle wagon spam is actually really good. Um, especially at the custom job that gives them a five of invuln. Uh, they they roll up at you know with a strength eight neg two flat two damage roller that hits on twos. So they. That vehicle is incredibly deadly to space marines. Mm, all right. Okay. Final question from patron Ryan. How do you handle really, really bad calls from judges at an event? Uh, define bad call. As know. in, but, like, really, are they, really bad. are they, are they what like, exactly you know the rule is right and they decide to like, you know, judge the rule differently? I think um, in the context, or... I, okay. So I think in the context of here, uh, because there's, a, I'm not going to mention the second half of their statement but in the context here it's when a judge makes a bad ruling at an event that that is very clearly goes against raw and maybe even rules is intended a little bit um but because the judge is either uh maybe inexperienced or or uh maybe they just uh wanted to roll a die which please if you're a to or your judgment please don't roll a die to determine an outcome um but uh, just a bad call just a call that that uh, if you were a TO or you're a judge, you might not like, or maybe a call that was just you felt was very unfair. Well, first of all, I think maybe the most you or your opponent. Yeah, the most important thing would be be polite. First of all, don't start, don't bicker with a judge. That's bad form. Um, secondly, is uh, as from a personal level, even if the call is bad, I'm like I come from a like football background, like soccer, so you know, whatever the ref says goes sort of thing. So even if it's like a terrible call, I'll kinda you know, move past it, play as is, and then have a discussion with the ref afterwards. Um but uh it can be tough like mentally to kinda like know that you're right and the judge is wrong or whatever. But the worst thing you can do is to start arguing at the table. Precisely. Yeah, in bigger tournaments, if you have the option to appeal um to a different judge or a higher judge you you have that option you don't need to you know for 100 percent take that table ruling if there is somebody you can appeal to if there isn't uh be as sportsmanlike as you can um i've had it where we called a judge on a rule and both me and my opponent looked at each other like what the hell um and we both disagreed (laughs) with the judge and played it our way (laughs) so i mean that's the ultimate rule if you and your opponent agree that's what plays on the table but um i will say at the uh, lvo finals game that i won uh there was a ruling on the table that i disagreed with and i think after the fact everyone's like yeah it's definitely not played that way and uh the only thing you can do is keep playing um under those circumstances so like Ascari was saying um once the ref has made the call that's it uh expending any additional mental energy on how that call was terrible is a distraction from playing the game at that point. And afterwards, yeah, absolutely. Um, feel free to whine about it all you want, but uh, during the game, no. You just play. Whoa, 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 hold on. Hold on. What Brandon means is feel free to whine about it to your buddies behind closed doors. The absolute last thing you want to do is go online after not having talked to anyone 
and disgrace the event because you got a bad judge call that affected you. Oh yeah, wine directly 20, to the judge. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, it happens often. Thank you for live stream Facebook it. <laughs> Thank you for being more specific, Pablo. I was agreeing with Scary's assessment that you can wine to the judge after the game, but not during. Yes. Yeah, yeah and, not during and not after the event when nothing can be done. Like you have and to understand as well. Whining. Yeah, like be you know be polite. First of all, you're building like a you know a reputation for yourself as a player, um, especially at like big events. If it is a big event, you don't want to be like known as like a player who just whines and bitches and complains the whole time. But you at the same time you want to play to the like best letter of the ruling and a lot of the times one of the things if you know that it is a contentious issue you should not be starting a game until you know what the ruling for that contentious issue is going to be before the game starts like bar none if there's any sort of gray area like right now there's a big gray area with like open topped vehicles and do models inside like get the rules or like of their like obsessions and things like that inside of transports or whatever uh because of the way the wording of the rule is worded you know so go to the to and ask them hey this rule is like this how are you going to rule this this event and just go into the event knowing what the ruling is going to be so that you're there's no confusion here, here, if you have an obscure Forge World model that's missing a key word in its rule that lets it to do a stupid thing, we all know which models there are. There's plenty of them. Pick a Forge World model. You probably picked one with a rule like that. Don't wait until your opponent asks what that model does to go, um, well, see here, according to Article 3, Section 2 of the Core Rulebook, my... Land speeder can make all your models die. Like, don't do that. Just before <laughs> weeks, months before the event starts, maybe weeks if you haven't decided on your list yet. Email people, email judges. Don't email the ITC, please. Email judges, email the TO for your event, and ask them, "Hey, I'm going to run this model. Every single one of my opponents is going to ask me what the hell this model does." This is what I think it does. How do you interpret it? And then whatever they go with, that's what you do. You go with that. And then that way, when the judge sees you, he's like, oh, that's Pablo with that stupid Forge World land speeder thing that I know what it does because he emailed about me three weeks ago. Pablo, uh, whatever Pablo says, we talked about it already. And then that's your judge rolling. That's easy on the TO. That's easy on you. You already you pre-judge ruled already. You could even if you if it's really really cheesy, you can even get a pre-yellow card. Just be like, oh, I'm just gonna yellow card <laughs> yeah. myself. Just make it easier on yourself, whatever whatever way possible you can. Yeah. Well, I want to make a point here since we kind of walked into it. Um, if your opponent does bring something like that before it becomes an issue on the table, just call it like call a judge over before the game starts. Yes. Like, if if something seems weird or you have like an inkling like a lot of times these players that want to take advantage of something or or are looking for that weird call um will bid and they'll bid with some some charisma score essentially on top of it um <laughs> and bid the reason and whichever and they'll they'll try and win over the argument i've I've played players that have been red carded during an event that kind of had this attitude um and the best way to combat that is to simply before the game even starts go 
yo, judge, how does this work? Um, and kind of stop it in his tracks. Yeah. I mean, I'm actually okay with with people who argue their points and stuff. My, my big thing is that is that do do it before the game starts. Like if you're if you're having to argue your point like in the middle of your game, you've already lost. Like that that's it. You you know, you should have done that hours ago. Like this is game time, not arguing time. Anyways. All right, this is a rant that has gone on too long. Thank you Ryan this for the game time, question. not arguing time. Yeah, in game summary, time. be prepared and if the judge makes a bad call, move on. Yes, that's yes, that's it. All right, all right, that is it, everyone. That is the episode. Uh, if you, uh, like I said, if you are interested in becoming a patron, you get access to cool perks. Like, uh, you can win cool, awesome prizes. Patrons have exactly one week. Actually, I think next week is the thirty-first. There is a thirty-first, so next week will be the last week you can get Patreon to win the prize for the month. Uh, the prize for this month is something I haven't decided yet. Uh, I've been kind of going back and forth. It is my birthday. Uh, on the on this week um so i might use something from my birthday to give inspiration to or something like that but i kind of want it to be not 40k related so it, it might be like a webcam or something cool maybe a recording mic something like that but i'm going to be giving away that a new that car uh, maybe a new toy hot wheel car <laughs> <laughs> but, but um something like that i also take suggestions too uh, i like to give back to the community and specifically to the patrons who help me out and the podcast out every every month uh so join the patreon you get access to the discord you get to ask us questions and you also get to win cool prizes also at the end of the month i'm giving away another indominus box don't worry you don't have to be a patron to win this you just have to go to the frontline gaming episode where we talk about all the podcasts um go into youtube no one's going into frontlinegaming.org although you can go to frontlinegaming.org and buy stuff uh, but essentially that chapter tactics episode that uh, you, if you go in there and you comment below, you comment and talk about what your favorite um, podcast is. Uh, it's the complete guide to all uh, competitive 40k content episodes. That's chapter tactics number 170. Go into the comment section of that episode. Let me know what your favorite podcast and or content for competitive 40k is. And you get entered to win a free Indominus box. It is that easy. That's all you have to do. You don't even have to be subscribed. You don't even have to like the video. You just have to comment. And you win an Indominus box. All right. That's it. Scary. if they want to hear more from you, where can they find you? Well, you can always go onto YouTube. I am Cast. I do weekly battle reports and mainly discuss um, mentality topics, really, a lot of the times. But uh, focused around the Dark Eldar. Yeah. Other than that, all the links to all my social media are right on there. Right on. Uh, ben, where can they find you and your beautiful voice? I appear weekly on In the Finest Hour with my with my other uh, co-hosts, uh, Sean and Shaylin. And you can find us on, on Facebook, of course, at In the Finest Hour. Or you can, of course, find us on iTunes and Podbean. Right on. And then finally, Brandon, do you have any plugs? Um, I'm still doing my Facebook group for Guard, which has actually been super useful. Even today I learned that Bulgrins do not take D3 damage from grav weapons because they only have a four up armor save, even with a slab shield. Um, so is just, that how that works? It is. They're modified, not their saving throw is different. Ah, yeah, wow, super weird. Um, so come on, and if you're interested in guard facts, uh, message me on Facebook and add me as a friend, and I'll add you to the group. That is the Brandon Grant on Facebook. 
he's not the just just type in Brandon Grant, but I like to say the sometimes. So, anyways, that is all. Thank you all for listening. You are all the best listeners in the world. I am so sorry for the weird little intermission at there. The warp got my computer and killed it so there's going to be some editing for our poor editor panda but she's going to do the best job she can and as always have a good one